On today's show, we take a look at Jay Sean Tate's Rockets season in review. What were the expectations for the forward coming into this past NBA campaign? How did he fulfill those expectations? What areas did we see him improve as the season went along? What areas are cause for concern as we try to navigate his role for this Rockets team moving forward? All of that and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian, also host of Locked on NBA Mondays, host of the State of the Rockets podcast, as well as the founder of ClutchCityControlRoom.com. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. For today's episode, we're going to dive into Jay Sean Tate's season in review, reflecting upon his second campaign with the Houston Rockets, the expectations coming into the season for Jay Sean Tate, his role as the season progressed and areas that he needs to improve on as we're looking at this offseason and his role moving forward with this Rockets team and what that may or may not be. So I think when we when we kind of turn the clock back and we look at his expectations coming into the season, we look at his first campaign with the Rockets, his rookie year, and he nabbed, you know, all rookie first team honors, and he was one of the bright spots in a really kind of down and gloomy season for the Houston Rockets, understandably so, it being the transitional year between, you know, the James Harden era and this new, you know, rebuilding era for the Rockets. And the, you know, Rockets fans really latched on to Christian Wood and Jay Sean Tate as kind of the two young, exciting, you know, building blocks for this Rockets franchise because we hadn't had a young, exciting player in a long, long time, right? Like Clint Capella was the most recent one. And even then Clint was, you know, limited in his role for this Rockets team, right? Whereas Christian Wood, we saw doing things that we hadn't seen a big do on the floor for the Rockets in a long time. Jay Sean Tate was this young, exciting, you know, versatile forward who could, you know, point, you know, play make and create for others, get his own shots. Like, you know, it, it was a, it was an exciting time and there were, you know, there was very little to be excited about for this Rockets team. So we kind of latched on to those two guys specifically as like, Oh, the future of the Rockets. Yeah. Cool. So coming into the season, I think that, you know, there were some question marks about Jay Shantate's role, right, for this Rockets team. There wasn't really a de facto fifth starter in, in anybody's mind. Like, I remember going all the way back to the beginning of the season, trying to figure out who was going to be the fifth starter for this Rockets team. Was it going to be Jay Shantate? Was it going to be Eric Gordon? Was it going to be somebody even further down the bench? Was it going to be KJ Martin, right? Like, David Nwaba, maybe, uh, you know, there were a lot of questions about who was going to get the starting nod for this Rockets team because the de facto starters were going to be Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Christian Wood, and Daniel Tice based on all the information we got out of training camp, based on the direction that the coaching staff thought that they were going to go. And ultimately, they decided to start Jay Shantate and bring Eric Gordon off the Rockets bench. And that's what led to the 
you know, the double big lineup or the the two non-shooter lineup, which is, I think, realistically where the problems actually did lie, was the two non-shooter lineup. And unfortunately, Jay Sean Tate was a part of those problems, right? And I think that, unfortunately, Rockets fans piled a lot of their frustrations on Daniel Tice for the you know, negative start to the rocket season, the 15 game losing streak. He was kind of the scapegoat for all of that because he was the, you know, he was the veteran that was brought in. He wasn't, you know, he's not a part of the rockets long-term future. He was supposed to be brought in to help stabilize the team. And instead it caused a lot of issues. And that's because you had two guys out there in Jay Sean Tate and Daniel Tice who were shooting about 30% or sub 30% from the three point line. And that caused all the spacing issues that caused all the issues with the rockets offense. Even when, KPJ and Jalen Green were able to drive and kick and get it out to a shooter. It was going out to two guys who were shooting less than 30% from the three-point line. It did not bode well for the Rockets offense. Everybody struggled. Christian Wood struggled. Tate, Tice, Green, KPJ, everybody struggled. It was a bad start to the season. So I think coming in, the role for Jay Sean Tate was supposed to be exactly what it was last season, right? He was supposed to be versatile wing defender, take the hardest defensive challenge every single night, uh, be a bit of a creator offensively, wreak havoc, you know, in transition, you know, be a versatile piece for this Rockets team. But as we navigated through that 15 game losing streak, the Rockets realized, oh, he can't fulfill that role, at least not next to, Daniel Tice because it's causing issues with the rest of the Rockets offense, right? And so there were probably some hard conversations had behind the scenes as to which of these pieces, Jay Sean Tate or Daniel Tice, do we 86 from the starting lineup, right? Who do we move out of the starting lineup? Who do we move to the bench? And it made sense to move Daniel Tice to the bench, right? He wasn't a piece of the future. He was the veteran and, and all of this. It was probably a hard conversation to have to have with Daniel Tice, but he was a professional about it. And that's what moved Jay Sean Tate from the three spot into, unfortunately, an undersized four next to Christian Wood. And that's where a lot of the other issues for this Rockets team kind of started to mount is they were an undersized team as the season went along. Because coming in, they didn't really expect to run Christian Wood at the five. They wanted to run Jay Sean Tate at the wing spot. But because of the shooting issues, because of the spacing issues, they just couldn't afford to do that. And so that's where we got Eric Gordon plugged into the starting lineup. We started to see, you know, the Rockets actually, you know, make do with their spacing. They started to, you know, find a, a modicum of success where they moved Jay Sean Tate to the four spot, Christian Wood to the five spot. And that's where, you know, the rest of the season kind of started to. I guess I don't want to say take off because this Rockets team never really took off, but that's where we started to see the Rockets actually find some success with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. That's where the roles kind of shifted a little bit for Jay Sean Tate. So we'll take a look at some of his best games, worst games. We'll take a look at some of the numbers from the season as he you know adopted that new role of the Rockets kind of small ball four what his role needs to look like or should look like for this Rockets team moving forward. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar because when it comes to protein bars, you've got to check out Built Bar. They're the number one protein bar on the market. They've got so many incredible flavors to choose from. you got raspberry, strawberry, salted caramel, mint chocolate, 
you got peanut butter. You got, uh, again, the list goes on and on and on. Cookies and cream, my personal favorite, coconut brownie chunk. Can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu. Every single bar is low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing. If you're on a keto diet, amazing if you're trying to cut back a little bit, lose a little bit of weight, you can check them out. Just go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your very next order of the best-tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball as we navigate Jay Sean Tate's season in review. Now, I think it's worth noting that the biggest question for Jay Sean Tate, uh, you know, regarding this season, regarding moving into next season is, you know, did he do enough this season to cement his role as a starter moving forward. And, and I don't think we can comfortably say yes is, is the real, uh, you know, unfortunate circumstance for Jay Sean Tate. Now that's not a, you know, a knock on his play. It's not a knock on what he brings to the team, but when you look at the rest of the rocket starters and kind of the, their roles moving forward, I think there's some serious question marks about, you know, whether Jay Sean Tate fits better in the starting lineup or whether he fits better coming off the bench for this Rockets team moving forward. We're going to take a look at that in the third segment, but let's go through kind of his game log from this previous season. And, you know, you look at the numbers between his rookie campaign and his sophomore campaign, and they're not that like drastically different. Like his field goal percentage is roughly the exact same. Field goal attempts, basically the same. Three-point percentage, basically the same. So, you know, he was shot 30, you know, .308. His rookie campaign shot .312. His sophomore campaign field goal percentage, .506. His, you know, rookie campaign, .498. His sophomore campaign. The numbers are almost identical across the board. His free throw shooting was down a little bit further by about three percentage points. He shot about 60% his rookie year, shot 57%. His sophomore year, you know, just going down the line, or I apologize, that was his two-point percentage. His free throw percentage actually up a point. Like, you know, just the numbers are like almost identical across the board. But when you look at the season as a whole and just his, I think, Jay Shantate's mentality and approach to the games on a nightly basis, it felt like his mentality was different to me at least and you know maybe to you know to many others because I felt like this was a recurring dialogue as the season went along but one of the things that really stood out about Jay Sean Tate in his rookie year was his ability to create for others and really kind of embody that point forward role it felt like that's where he made his bread and butter he was getting others involved in the offense driving and kicking creating all of that it really felt like he was at times, you know, the start of the Rockets offense in his rookie campaign, right? Where he'd get the ball on the perimeter, drive it in, kick it out to the next man, get the offense rolling, right? Whereas this year, it felt like every time or a majority of the time that Jay Sean Tate touched the ball and drove it in, he wasn't going to pass it out. It was going to be a drive. It was going to be a finish. It was going to be a, you know, 17 different spins in the post to try and create, you know, a look inside. And again, I don't want to, you know, harp on him too much for that because I don't know if necessarily that was a Jay Sean Tate thing or if that was a coaching staff thing where they were the ones who begged, you know, they were the ones who just, no, drive it in. If you feel like you have a mismatch, take advantage of it, whatever. And the thing is, is he did a good job of taking advantage of it a lot, right? Like we see oftentimes Jay Sean drives it in, 
gets it into the teeth of the defense and is able to finish in the land of the trees, you know, over guys who are, you know, much bigger than him, right? He's, you know, six four and he's finishing over guys who are six eight, six ten, seven feet tall in the paint because he's that skilled of a finisher in and around the rim. He's got the spins, he's got the fakes, he's got, you know, the physicality to finish through contact, all of that. So it's not like the driving and not passing was I don't want to say that it wasn't a detriment because it does feel like at times he was tunnel visioned. And I think that was the main drawback to me for Jay Sean Tate's game this past season is it felt like he tunnel visioned a lot this past season where he was going to touch the basketball and drive it in. And that was that on the flip side, it is nice to be able to have a guy who can create his own looks, right? To be able to drive it in and, and actually be able to get his own buckets, you know, inside the paint, you know, collapse the defense, that kind of thing. But when you're not when you're not taking advantage of collapsing the defense and all you're doing is forcing shots up in the paint, sometimes they're going, sometimes they're not. Sometimes you're drawing free throws, sometimes you're not. You know, it would be nice to see him utilize that aspect of his game to create for others a bit more than he did as the season went along because I think that was a big part of what made him so special as a rookie and he kind of got away from that in his sophomore campaign. When we look at the games that he had, you know, throughout this past season. The one that probably stands out as his best game of the season has to be the one on the road against the OKC Thunder in which he had to step up with no, you know, no Kevin Porter Jr., no Christian Wood, both of whom leaving the game early in this one. This was in the midst of Jalen Green during, you know, his departure from the Rockets lineup. And we saw... <laughs> We saw Jay Sean Tate absolutely take over this game. He wound up going for 32 points, thought, shot 11 of 15 from the floor. He had 10 rebounds. He had seven assists. He had two steals. He had five blocks. If memory serves, this was like the first time, the first player since Akeem Olajuwon to post a lineup or a stat, you know, a stat, uh, a stat. Why am I why am I struggling with these words? Um, to put to post a stat line. There we go. Not a stat lineup. I don't know why I suddenly had a gigantic brain fart in the middle of the show. That was awesome. Um, to post a stat line with these numbers, first player since Akeem Elijah wanted to do it. I thought that was you know hilarious that you got Jay Shantae out there racking up numbers against the Thunder and leading the Rockets to a win on the road against OKC one fourteen to one ten. Uh, this was a kind of a wacky game, but we saw Jay Sean really like take over and you know, the rocket, everybody was vibing. Everybody was having a good time with it. It was a fun, cool game to see Jay Sean Tate just go like absolute hero ball and take over the game. That was probably his best game because all around, not only did he take over the game offensively and we, you really saw Jay Sean like driving into the hole, getting it done on the offensive side. He was also creating for his teammates, right? He had the seven assists. He was playing strong defense. He had the steals. He had the blocks. This was easily his best all around game of the season. Now the inverse of that, the flip side is when I was looking through, and this was a shock to me when I was looking through his, his game log from this past season, he had 37 games. 37 games where he didn't make a single three-pointer. That to me was insane. Like of, of the games that he played in, so of the 78 games that he played in this past season, half of them didn't make a single three-pointer. That really stood out as kind of a, a, you know, a red flag, unfortunately, for Jay Sean Tate for his play with this Rockets team because when you consider 
where the NBA is trending, how the NBA looks these days, having a guy that is a, you know, that much of a shooting detriment to your lineup does not bode well moving forward, unfortunately, right? You know, he, and I think that we, we look back on this past season and there were so many times where within the Rockets offense, one team started to scheme against Jay Sean Tate, unfortunately, because he was a non-shooter. Like teams just started parking their big man on Jay Sean Tate. They started parking their fives on Jay Sean Tate and guarding Christian Wood with a wing because it made more sense to do that because Jay Sean Tate was the mismatch that you took advantage of where you were totally okay with him shooting the basketball. I think back to some of the matchups later in the season against the Utah Jazz with Rudy Gobert or against the LA Clippers with Avika Zubats. And those guys would just stand... 15 feet away from Jay Shante, let him take all the three pointers that they, you know, in the world. And they were okay with that. That was a win for the defense or for the opposing defense. If Jay Shante was taking a three and the most frustrating part is what we, we would start to see Jay Shante run like dribble handoff sets where he didn't even look to shoot the basketball. Like the big was nowhere near him. He would immediately get the ball and just turn, didn't look to drive it in. Didn't look to create, didn't look to shoot, would just look to run the set. And having that level of like, I guess we call it gravity when somebody has shooting gravity. So having that level of like anti-gravity was not great for Jay Sean Tate. And it was not great for the Rockets lineup as the season went along because it just clogs things up. Like having somebody out there that is basically, you know, making you play in a way like four on five offensively at times, it's really rough, you know? And so I do heavily question his role moving forward, at least within the starting lineup, because when you have a guy that you can target in the starting lineup and say, yep, he's the non-shooter, we're just not going to defend him, and if he shoots the basketball, it's a win for us. It's like I got kind of some PTSD flashbacks to like when Russell Westbrook was in the Rockets starting lineup, right, where defenses were totally okay with him taking outside shots because the percentage just wasn't there. And that's exactly how it was for Jay Sean Tate this past season, unfortunately. And having to mention Jay Sean and, and Russell Westbrook in the same breath really hurts me because I do love everything that Jay Sean Tate brings to the table for this Rockets team outside of the lack of shooting. The defense is incredible. The hustle, the heart, the grit, the ability to take the you know toughest defensive assignment every single night. Offensively, the screening is there. The rolling is there. Like there's so many elements of his game that are so great. And he's so great at, again, a, a very versatile player. But the biggest red flag of his game cannot be overlooked and cannot be overstated how much that impacts both him and his teammates moving forward. So I do want to get into kind of a final point about the roster construction of this Rockets team, Jay Shantate's role moving forward with this Rockets team, and a silver lining that we need to actually appreciate and take a look at with Jay Shantate, you know, regarding his shooting moving forward. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online because Bet Online is your number one source for all of your sports betting stats and info. They've got you covered with all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NBA playoffs, Major League Baseball, and this weekend's run to the Kentucky Derby. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information. They've got you for live betting, playoffs, esports, the NBA draft, and more. And speaking of the NBA draft, you can go to BetOnline right now and figure out who, well, take a look at their odds to see who they've got going number one overall in this year's NBA draft right now. They've got Jabari Smith Jr., the favorite to go number one overall at plus 100. You've got Paolo Bancaro at plus 195 to go number one overall. And then bringing up the rear, or I apologize, mixed up my mixed up my numbers here. 
you've got Chet Holmgren at plus 195. Read the wrong line on the uh, on the website. That's on me. It's actually really easy to read. I don't know how I misconstrued that data. You've got Chet Holmgren at plus 195 to go number one overall, and you've got Paolo Bencaro bringing up the rear at plus 300. So for that and more NBA odds, head to Bet Online. Use their website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action available to you. Bet Online. It's where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As we wrap up our kind of review of Jay Sean Tate's season for this Houston Rockets team, what the role should look like for Jay Sean Tate moving forward. And, you know, as the season wound down, I was one of the proponents of, you know, advocating for KJ Martin in the starting role instead of Jay Sean Tate. And I think a big part of that was there's a certain level of, when you look at some of the role players around this league, guys who understand and fulfill their role, you know, the, the niche role that they probably have within a given offense, within a given, you know, scheme, team dynamic, whatever. And as the season went along, it felt like KJ Martin embodied his role a little bit better, you know, at that wing spot than Jay Sean Tate did with the sense of, you know, he understood he's coming in, he's setting hard screens, he's playing in transition play good defense, shoot the three ball when it's open. That's it. He didn't try to do too much. And I think that with Jay Sean Tate at times, there's an, uh, you know, a bit of a desire on his behalf. And again, maybe this is from the coaching staff. Maybe it's just a Jay Sean Tate thing. Maybe it's a little bit of both to do too much, right? Where he's, you know, gets the basketball, tries to drive it in and create and do this, that, and the other thing. And he's, you know, trying to create his own offense and, you know, at times that sometimes works and at times it becomes, you know, kind of, I don't want to say ball stoppery ball, you know, kind of, it, it would clog up the offense in the sense like Jay Sean Tate would get the basketball and you knew that he wasn't going to pass it to the next guy. He knew he was going to drive it in. And, you know, so I don't want to call him a black hole offensively, but things just didn't flow as much with Jay Sean on the floor. Whereas with KJ, it felt like things just moved a little bit better. Things operated a little bit better. The offense ran through Jalen green and Kevin Porter jr. Better when KJ Martin was on the floor. So I do think that with Jay Sean Tate, I've been really hard on him, unfortunately. And it, you know, it feels bad to be that hard on a guy that I, you know, I had really high hopes for coming into this season and still have high hopes for as part of, you know, what the, what the Rockets are trying to build and accomplish here. I just don't know if necessarily the starting role is the right spot for him and for his skill set moving forward. I do think that they leaned on him heavily this season, especially at the start of the season as an additional playmaker in the starting lineup, having another guy who you could kind of put the ball in his hands and have him, you know, break down the defense, get into the paint, create, you know, kick it out to the next guy. But that skill set became less and less desired as the season went along. And as Jalen green and uh, Kevin Porter jr. Became more comfortable with their ball handling with, you know, being the point of attack for this Rockets offense. And so then they needed guys around them who could just be better ancillary pieces to what they were trying to achieve as, you know, options one and two within the Rockets offense, which is why it looked like KJ Martin was a better accent piece to what they were trying to accomplish. But with Jay Sean Tate, I think it is worth noting that even though his three-point percentage, which was my biggest goal for him coming into the season, was he had to get the three-point percentage up to a respectable number, right? 34, 35%. Just get it up somewhere where defenses can't flat-out ignore you on the three-point line. And unfortunately, he didn't do that, right? He averaged 31% for the year. That said, he did average a remarkable 
0.8% post all-star break. Now, again, it's only on two and a half attempts per game. So that's not great numbers, unfortunately. And I need to see him sustain it over the course of the season, right? It can't just be for stretches throughout the season where, oh, he's shooting 38, 39, 40% for 10, 15 games. Needs to be over the course of an entire season. But that is a silver lining that bodes well moving forward because if Jay Sean Tate can get that three-point shot up to a consistent 35, 36, 37%, then you have on your hands a really talented, versatile role player, somebody who is deserving of a starting spot, somebody who can, if he plays to his role, right, if he's playing the three spot, if he's not playing an undersized four role, can be a really great piece of a team moving forward because then you've got a really strong, like, 3 and D wing who's hitting the three ball at a decent clip, on decent volume, who can defend at a high level, who can create, who can get out in transition, who can run the fast break, who can do so many different things. Basically a Swiss army knife on the floor, right? Unfortunately, we need to see it play out over the course of an entire season. And because he's had two seasons now to try and get that three ball to a place where it's consistent the entire way of the season, I think pre-All-Star break, he shot like 28% from three, which is why it leveled out around you know 31 ish percent because the majority of the season you know 60 some odd games he was shooting 28 percent which is still not great like that's atrocious numbers unfortunately but when you look at the roster construction and the makeup for this rocket team and this is where i still come away thinking that kj martin is probably the answer moving forward at the three spot for the rockets and i think i say the three spot because jay sean tate played the four this past season, right? When the Rockets shifted Christian Wood up to the five, they put Jay Shantae at the four. He was playing an undersized role at the four, even though he was capable of guarding some of the other bigger, stronger players at the four spot. This Rockets team has been a small team for a long time, right? All, you go all the way back to the pocket Rockets days in the bubble, and then you go to last season where they were running Christian Wood at the five, and then they did run you know, the double bigs for a little while with Christian Wood and Kelly Olenek, and that was kind of nice, a nice change of pace, but it was it was atrocious defensively. So this Rockets team has had like an identity crisis trying to figure out, can we play big guys or not, right? And they tried to play a couple big guys earlier this season. The defense was there. They actually were a decent kind of somewhat capable defensive team, you know, in the upper half of the NBA defenses, but their offense was so bad, it didn't matter. So how do you get the best of both worlds? How do you have guys who are capable defensively? How do you have size on the floor and still be capable offensively? Jay Shantae at the four is not the answer for that. Even KJ Martin at the four is not the answer for that. These are small forwards. These are wings that you don't want to play at the four, at least not full time, right? You can play those guys situationally at the four spot if you want to go small for stretches of the game and try and use it as, as a mismatch opportunity. Sure. But doing it full time is how you expose yourself defensively, how you give up rebounds, how you give up second chance opportunities, and you just invite mismatches from the opposing team. I am tired, sick and tired of seeing this Rockets team being one of the smallest teams in the NBA, which is why I'm so excited at the tantalizing possibility of having Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bancaro, any one of those three bigs, you roll them into the Rockets starting lineup, and then you have the opportunity to pair one of those bigs with Jay Shantae or KJ Martin at the three spot moving forward. And then you have a sizable lineup because when you look around the NBA landscape, let's take a quick, you know, a, a quick detour and take a look at the other teams that are in the playoffs right now. 
all the teams that are in the playoffs have some combination of size and length. Like that's the key when you're building an NBA roster. And I think the teams to really take a look at that do it really, really well the Milwaukee Bucks, and the Boston Celtics. The Celtics especially have done a remarkable job of accumulating a bunch of players that have size and length, and they have switchability. They are the number one defense in the NBA for a reason because they've you know amassed a bunch of players who are athletic, who have length, and have size. And that's why they are a terror defensively. Jay Sean Tate is a phenomenal defender. I'm not going to take that away from him. But when you play him at the four spot, you're running him out there against under, you know, he's an undersized player against other bigger, stronger dudes, usually longer, more athletic, you know, at the four and five spots. And that causes inherent mismatches, especially when you have a five next to him in Christian Wood, who is not a defensive anchor by any stretch of the imagination. So I don't want to see the Rockets run Jay Sean Tate at the four spot anymore, unless it's situationally when they're playing small ball. I also don't want to see them run KJ Martin at that four spot. I want to see one of those guys starting at the three spot for the Rockets next year, because then the Rockets do have the makings, the foundation for having a really exciting, versatile, defensive, versatile lineup in KJ or, you know, sorry, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, who have, you know, about six, five, six, six at the guard spots. Then you could run KJ Martin or Jay Sean Tate at the three spot. You run one of the top draft picks if you get one of the bigs at the four spot, and then you're running either Christian Wood or Alperin Shingun at the five spot. That is length and size at every single position, maybe minus LP because he's a bit undersized at the five spot if they're running him at the five spot. But he also does his work early, understands how to utilize his body, doesn't really get taken advantage of down low for, you know, be it you know from a lack of size, right? He's still a big body. He still know, knows how to use his weight against uh, some of the other bigger bigs in the NBA. But I go down that rabbit hole to say, from a roster construction construction standpoint, Jay Sean Tate at the four spot is not a long term solution. Even KJ Martin at the four spot is not a long term solution. So when you look at trying to build this Rockets team and trying to build a perennial championship contender, you want guys that have size, that have length, that have long wingspans, that can be versatile and guard multiple positions. And even though Jay Sean Tate does fit that bill, he is a bit undersized. And that is unfortunately one of the fallbacks to his, or sorry, I should say drawbacks to his game and him as a player is he's always going to be a bit undersized. Even when you put him on the wing at 6'4", he is giving up a lot of size on the wing to some of the other 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", players that you see out there. But he makes up for it with his defensive tenacity, with the effort, with what he brings to the table. And so I do think his role moving forward for this Rockets team, I think he still has a role. I think that his skill set would be best utilized coming off the Rockets bench for 20 to 25 minutes a night, kind of that injection of life when, you know, you need some, some juice off the Rockets bench. He can come in, be a terror in transition, create, get his own buckets, create for some teammates off the bench. I think that moving forward, he hasn't shown enough to be the continued starter. I'd like to be proven wrong though, right? If he can come back, have a strong training camp and get that three-point shot up to 35, 36, 37%. And if he can kind of stay in his lane a bit more alongside Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, I'd love to be proven wrong. I would be shocked if Jay Sean Tate is the starter next season because I think there's a lot of different variables at play. And depending on who the Rockets bring in with their top draft pick, depending on what happens with Christian Wood, all of that, there's still a lot of different things that we have to resolve and figure out. 
But where I currently stand with this roster as it's presently constructed, I would give the starting nod to KJ Martin over Jay Sean Tate at this current point. With that, that's probably a good stopping point for Jay Sean Tate's kind of season in review. I do still think, again, he has a role with this Rockets team moving forward. That was the message to start the show. That is the message to end the show. I just don't think that role is necessarily in the Rockets starting lineup moving forward. That said, that's going to do it for today's episode. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, the Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also check us out on YouTube. Go to YouTube, like, comment, subscribe. How do you feel about Jay Sean Tate's role moving forward with this Rockets team? Do you think he has a role at all? Do you think he should still be the starter? Do you think he's better served coming off the bench? Let me know in the comments. I do read each and every one of those. Also, tuck this away at the very, very end of the episode, but... Didn't get a chance to do it this week because I was sick. We're going to bring back the Fan Talk Friday. It should have been today's episode, but I was you know behind the eight ball this week. We're going to have Fan Talk Friday next week for you know next Friday's episode. So if you have a, an idea, a topic, whatever, DM me on Twitter, DM me on Instagram. I, it's hard for me to do it via the YouTube comments, so you're going to have to DM me on one of those two uh, platforms, social media-wise. Uh, let me know what your topic is that you'd like to talk about. It, you know, I'll pick three different guests. We'll bring you on. We'll talk, you know, 10, 15 minutes about whatever topic you want to discuss. It'll be a ton of fun. Had a bunch of fun doing it this past time around. It was supposed to be this week. We had to bump it off one more week. But with that, as always, I appreciate you for checking out the show. Thank you, as always, so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Lockdown Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.